what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. I am Alan. I'm pointing to Chris across the table. Chris? Hello. I see Alan pointing at I'm me. pointing. That means <laughs> that's your cue to say hello. You have done so. Now it comes back over to me as I welcome everybody for listening to the show today. This is our film review and discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. And uh, we've got a good show lineup today. It's kind of an exciting time because the Oscar yes. nominations came out a few weeks ago. So we're going to digest those nominations and talk you all through them the ones we think are going to win, and also the ones we think should win, which I will go ahead and warn you, there'll be plenty of those where the two are different choices (laughs) on the list. Sure. Uh, Before we do that, though, we do have one film we're going to be having a good review about, and that's the film Her, uh, Spike Jonze's latest film. So we're going to talk about that, go into our Oscar talks, and of course wrap up the show, like always, with our recommendations of a film you ought to check out uh, that maybe you've missed. It's available online, something we think uh, is worth your time checking out. Sound good to you, Chris? Sounds like a plan. Good format. We've got that organized nice and clean for us. Absolutely. Good. Well, then let's jump right on into it with our main review for the episode, which is the film starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams, the film Her. Mr. Theodore Twombly, welcome to the world's first artificially intelligent operating system. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Okay. Are you social or antisocial? I guess I haven't been social in a while. How would you describe your relationship with your mother? Thank you. Please wait as your operating system is initiated. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Hi, I'm Samantha. Chris, I remember seeing the trailer for the film Her. Sure. Early in the year, last year, I don't remember when it was. I remember seeing it, and I found myself so conflicted on how I felt about this film Okay, just from the early onset. Some of the things it had going for me, A, Spike Jones is the director who I generally really admire You know his work. Uh, for those of you maybe not familiar with his work, we're talking being John Malkovich. We're talking um, Adaptation, yeah. which is one of my favorite movies. Loved Adaptation. I remember, Chris, you and I seeing that together. Yeah, I believe yeah. it went in Salem or, or maybe something so. like that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Where the Wild Things Are, which I still have not caught up with. Really? Yeah. Okay. But I still generally like Spike Jones. I at least know his films are going to be inventive and creative and something different to it. Sure. Then I heard Joaquin Phoenix, who I really, really liked in The Master. Gotcha. I think he's on a little bit of a roll right now with some really good, strong performances. So I'm like, you know what? He's in it. Uh, that's, got, that's a good thing going for it, too. Then you hear about the premise. And it's the concept. What we're talking about here is this film takes place in the... Not so distant future, maybe a few years in the future. Right. I don't know. It's kind of, they're very nondescript about it. Sure. Um, where we have a writer, a gentleman, uh, uh, Theodore Twombly, who is a writer. He writes handwritten letters for people, which is a whole on the computer fun premise to talk about anyway, <laughs> sure. who basically starts a uh, conversation relationship with his operating system. Think Siri on your iPhone. Sure. Uh, supposedly in the near future, the operating system has become so easy to converse with and so human-like that people actually start to develop friendships and even deeper relationships with their operating system, their OS. Right. So this film follows Theodore as he develops a relationship with Samantha, the voice of his operating system on his phone, computer system, everything else. By so when you Scarlett hear the Johansson. Scarlett Johansson voice in that, I right. should, I'm very remiss to not mention that. So I hear the premise, and I'm thinking, oh, that could be a really tricky one. Because if you recall in the trailer, I don't know if you saw the trailer or not. I did. I did. The trailer obviously leads you down the path of these two have a romantic relationship. Yes. And I can automatically in my head hear people in the theater watching this trailer squirming <laughs> and getting uncomfortable. It's like, oh, he's going to be in love with his phone. And what is that saying? In love with the voice. Yeah, exactly. So that's my conflicted nature. I was still very excited to see this film, but going into it, this could have really been 
gone off the off the rails pretty easily. So my question to you is, did it go off the rails for you? Did this film stay true to what the premise and the possibility that we saw with all the talent involved? Or it was, it was the concept just too, too out there to make a good movie out of this? Well, it's – I have to kind of separate some of that because there's sure, a break lot it apart. of questions. I threw out like four in questions in, a, right. in one to you. Um, did it go off the rails? Yeah. For me, no. Okay. I would say that it, it didn't. But I feel like knowing Spike Jones was the director, mm-hmm. which I have a high opinion of him. I'm a big fan, like you said, of adaptation being John Malkovich. Where the Wild Things Are, not so much. Yeah, I remember you were not a big fan no. of that film. And I think this actually continues in great idea – and I feel like he just fell short of making a good film. And actually, mm. I was bored. I felt that the relationship between Theodore Twombly and mm-hmm. Sam developed, I felt like, really fast. And then after that, it was just kind of a very predictable romantic comedy path. And I was, I was bored. And Spike Jones always has kept me, previously, has kept me guessing and has kept me interested I had never been bored until Where the Wild Things Are with the film by Spike Jones. Hmm. He's usually very innovative and very throws out interesting ideas that make you like the handwritten letters.com. That's a perfect Spike Jones example right there. Mm-hmm. It's just a job, it's a backdrop, but it could be making a lot of commentary, but it just kind of it's a throwaway. And mm-hmm. it's some of the intra- if there were more interesting throwaways, then I would have liked the movie more. But to me, it just felt very flat and literally all the preview was I, I could have never seen the movie and I got what I needed to get out of the preview. Wow. Um, yeah. And I was I, so I was I was really let down by the movie, but it's not that it went off the rails per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, was, I was I was bored. I was bored. Man. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to have a big disagreement on this. Okay. Because <laughs> I really, really, really like this film. Oh, man. Now, I've got some issues with the end. Uh, which we won't go into spoiler side of things, but I do think the ending was not as strong as it should have been. I will give okay. that gladly the last 15 minutes of the film. I thought were a little messy. Um, but up until that point, I think this was a brilliant film and I'll, I'll tell you the reasons why. Okay. Um, first off, visually speaking, cinematography, the look of the film, I really, really connected with the look. There's some scenes, especially when they're out walking on the beach together and spending time out there, some beautiful, beautiful shots. The colors, the vibrancy of it, uh, just the way everything was framed. So many times when we're following, uh, we're following uh, Theodore right. as he walks and just everything that's moving around him are just so well done shots, really connected well with those. Well, I, I, cinematography, yeah. I agree. I, okay. I, it was nice to look at. Oh, but at. I got more. Okay. I got more, Chris. Okay. Joaquin Phoenix, I thought was excellent in this film. It was really good. His role was a subdued role. I mean, it's not it's not Freddie Quells from the from the Master. He didn't have the explosive moments. He didn't right. have that's not his character. Right. But I thought he did a great job of conveying a lonely person without coming across like a schlub. You know, he was a lonely guy, but he had friends, and he still like you know could talk to people. I mean, it wasn't like he was like an outcast or anything, which I know sometimes when movies try to play the lonely person, they really go to extremes. He played it as a, I'm just a guy who just, I'd really like some companionship. He's out of a messy marriage that ended that he didn't want to end. Uh, He's lonely. He needs companionship. And I thought he played that really, really well. Well, and I would agree. And if not for him, this film would have been an utter failure for me. Like just, I would have, I would have hated it. And I think a lot of times the conversations that he would have with Sam, they were interesting in the very beginning. And then it was, to me, it was just like over and over again, no, the no. same thing. No, no, no. And, and the only no. thing that actually provided any interest for me mm-hmm. was when Theodore was talking to humans, when mm-hmm. he was having conversations with Amy Adams or when he was having conversations with Chris Pratt, who I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. Those were funny, but when it was isolated scenes in the apartment of him and the disembodied voice of Scarlett Johansson, it just got to be boring for me. Now, granted, that's the construct of the film. I understand that. But if somehow situation, there could have been more dynamic situations, but it just scenes of him staring up at the ceiling, mumbling and talking to Scarlett Johansson and having her sexy voice like come out of his little bone gadget thingy. I don't know. It just, it got to be repetitive and kind of boring for me. 
to those of you at home, so, I am visually shaking, shaking my head, head left to right in a no in a no pattern <laughs> constantly. No, I'm sorry. I feel the exact opposite. I actually thought the scenes where he's interacting with other humans, I didn't enjoy as much. Oh man! I thought the really? scenes where we're just listening to the voices and the, the conversations there. That brings me to my next point, okay. Scarlett Johansson. I know it's just a voice, and yes, no. Anybody who said that she should get nominated for her voice acting in this, no, no, it's, it's not that kind of performance. No, but I dare you to tell me that that first scene where he has installed the operating system, she chimes in, hello, and they start talking, and they have a dialogue, and he is taken aback because all of a sudden, every this person's talking to him right. in a natural voice. She's trying to fill him out; they're trying to fill each other out. It was such a great scene, and I think. Even though they never got as good as that first scene of them together, all the other scenes yeah, where it's just didn't. a talking, <laughs> oh yeah, they were really, really good. There's uh, just- two other call out scenes, one scene where things got a little intimate between the two of them, I thought was very well done in that the choice uh. of cutting to black at a certain point and just letting us hear the voices. Because again, this is a movie about voices. There's no visual connection between the two people. I thought that was way extended and uh, well, it was extended, but you know, it did what it needed to do. I think, and the, then the scene of the surrogate, okay. where you bring in a uh, Samantha decided that she wanted to help Theodore have a physical connection to her. She brought in a surrogate, and I thought the surrogate part was more in line with like a Spike Jones oh, idea. It definitely was a creative and idea. That kind of woke me back up. I'm like, oh, okay, and then it went away. And so I, there again, it's like, I thought there were all these threads and even, I mean, obviously looking at this movie, it's about technology Mm -hmm. and people, there's a scene where you see people staring at their phones and Mm -hmm. it's like, and I felt like not that he needed to be heavy handed because usually I don't like that type of thing, but if he could have investigated it a little more, it would have made the movie more interesting. And the movie, and they started to try to do that and they just kind of let it go. Like, and that's why, like I was saying, I responded more to him interacting with people and kind of make a point about that. And like they just didn't follow through on a lot of those threads that I I just I just like the fact. I mean, I guess why I, I disagree with you on that is because I, I do see they are making a point about technology, but yet it really comes down to what constitutes a real relationship in today's society or in tomorrow's society. Because you think about it, Samantha and Theodore, it's almost exactly the same as if they were long distance lovers and never get to see each other. They only get to talk on the phone or on Skype or whatever. And that's okay. it. They are having to explore their relationship the same way two people who live halfway around the world do. Hmm. So what constitutes a relationship? Is it is the physical side of a relationship necessary? Because this film could make an argument that because that physical side was not there, that may have had some hard time for them to get connected. Theodore wrestled with that a few times through the film, mm-hmm. that I'm not having a relationship with a real person. And this is starting to kind of freak me out a little bit. And that caused some friction with them. I think it brings up some really interesting questions. I don't even think it's about technology. I think it's about what makes a relationship between two people. Is it a spiritual, emotional, intellectual connection? Is it the physical? Does it have to be both? What is it? That to me is what I got more out of this is I think the question of hmm. what, what do relationships look like for us in the future based on that idea? And yes, technology is the driving force that's going to get us there. But sure. Spike Jones never seemed to be criticizing those people walking around staring at their phones and talking to their phones. He didn't seem to be putting them down. He almost took it as a fact of, yeah, this is where we're going. This is who we're going to be. We're going to be talking to each other through these devices. We're not going to have face-to-face contact as much as we normally do. I don't think he was seeing it as a condemnation. I think he was saying it as more of a fact. This is where we're going. We all know this. So let's explore some of the interesting situations that could come out of where we're going as a society and the way we handle relationships. Hmm. Anyway, that's what I got out of it. I think I think it was a brilliant concept. I think it was handled brilliantly. I love the fact that it wasn't handled for straight laughs. No. It didn't become this high concept, over-the-top premise. It was very real. And even the way it ended with Samantha's, the end of her story, which again, we won't spoil, but it does take some turns later on. A lot of it follows what you would normally see in a real relationship between two human beings, which I thought was interesting. They basically let this relationship progress just like a real relationship would. Right. It has the same ups and downs and questions and things and people evolve and change and all that. Now, granted, the end result for her was very unique to her situation and her being an operating system. But uh, still, I really liked it. The ending, I thought, was a little flat. I don't think the ending really hit the I don't really I don't think it stuck the ending as much as it could have to be a brilliant film. 
But I will say that up to that point, I was very, very enthralled, very engrossed, wow. thought it was great, opened up a lot of dialogue and a lot of questions for me. I wish it had a stronger ending, but that's the only that's the only real complaint I've got against it. Hmm. Well, yeah, I would say we are definitely on different ends of the spectrum with this. Mm-hmm. I'll say a positive since I've been kind of railing against it. Um, I thought music played a more interesting part in it than yeah. I would have thought. And I yeah. think it's nominated for one of the songs. Well, Arcade Fire yeah. did the instrumentation, and then I think it was... Uh, Karen O. Karen o did more of the vocals and some right. of the writing of it, I think. So, yeah. So that... That helped provide, and she, Samantha actually does this thing where one of the ways she relates to him is with music. Mm-hmm. And some of those times were interesting <laughs> when they could have just been boring conversations. So. Now, what I thought was interesting, looking at Spike Jones and thinking about where you are in the Spike Jones world right now. Yeah. So think about it this way. Being John Malkovich in adaptation, he directed, but he did not write. Well, okay. I meant to research that and I did not. He wrote this yes and he wrote where the wild things are Yeah, i mean based on but but yeah he wrote this guy yeah i guess what i'm saying is um oh you like him you like him when he works with charlie kaufman who wrote yeah malkovich in adaptation but if he's off writing his own you're not a big fan right now nope it's interesting now i will say i still think adaptation's the best spike jones movie he's done and i still think being john malkovich is a very very good movie i i think spike jones and charlie kaufman are like the beatles yeah Together, they're awesome. Split up. Charlie Kaufman did Synecdoche, New York. I liked it, but it could have used some Spike Jones maybe reining him in. Hmm. So I think together, they're the Beatles apart. You know, you still got John Lennon. You still got Paul McCartney. They're still good. Well, I like but, this one as much as I like being John Malkovich, wow, which I really liked. Wow. Okay. I still like Adaptation better than both of those films. Got you. I have not seen Where the Wild Things Are yet, so I can't speak to that quite yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I mean, I, honestly, looking back at my year in film, because I know we've already done our favorite film, and I think sure. I said Mud was my favorite film of the year. Okay. This is probably right there with Mud for me. I'm kind of, I could toss a coin and be happy with either of those two being named my favorite film that I saw this year. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I thought this one just had enough interesting ideas to it. It made me question a lot of things when I came out of it, which to me is always a good sign of a good film. Hmm. So yeah, I... I really, I am wholeheartedly endorsing the film. Chris, not so much, Um, (laughs) but that's okay. Her is probably still playing in a few places, a few select cities at this time. Uh, Got some Oscar love that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. So uh, something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, But you know, Chris, before we go to break, and you mentioned a film and I mentioned a film that shared a common actor in there that unfortunately is an actor we lost just in this last week, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was in The Master, which we both, I really liked, you did not like. I thought his performance in it was yeah. great. <laughs> and then you mentioned Synecdoche in New York, which he was the main star of that. Yep. I don't know about you, Chris, but when I heard about his passing, untimely, sudden passing, um, I don't normally react too much to actors or famous Hollywood people passing away. I, it doesn't affect me. I'm not starstruck by a lot of people. Sure. I mean, to me, it's, yeah, you know, I think directors, writers, and even teachers and firemen, it should be just as important as movie stars. So I've never really tried to elevate them to such a high status. Sure. However, this one punched me in the gut. I don't know why. I guess it's just because I'm such a big fan of his films. I really think he's one of the best actors we had going nowadays. And to see him just gone, like in a snap, really kind of hit me hard. Yeah, I I was the same way. I was just really, really surprised. And I guess... I feel like had to play into it that I also feel like he's only getting better. Like his game with the master was really, really good. I didn't care for the movie as much, but I thought his role was really strong. And so he was only getting more and more on his game. (laughs) Yep. And then for him just to disappear, you know, it's just sad. And I think too, normally if you have heard of like, you know, Mel Gibson's had problems, you Mm -hmm. know, and you hear other big stars have problems. If something happens, then you're like, well, that's, you know, it's a shame. It's sad. But you're not surprised. But with him, I had absolutely no idea that he had any personal problems whatsoever. Not yeah. that I really follow that kind of gossip, but yeah. you know, normally it just it was out of nowhere. So well, it's yeah. just a shame we lost such a good actor. Oh yeah, absolutely. Someone who honestly, I can look at some of my favorite films from the last ten years, and he's in a lot of them. Oh yeah, Boogie Nights is one of my all-time favorite films. That's the first movie I remember seeing him in, mm-hmm. and he played a very interesting character. And uh, you know, it's one of those characters where you wonder afterwards, who was that guy? He's like, <laughs> I know I've seen him before somewhere, but I don't know who he is. Right. Uh, Boogie Nights. I really like The Master from a couple of years ago. And Magnolia. Magnolia is a great film, and he plays such a good part of the uh, the nurse caring for Jason Robards in that film. I think, I think too, what I can pin it down to is 
I can't imagine another P.T. Anderson movie without oh, Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman because they seemingly, you know, I've never met either one of them, nor t- but they seem to have a really good working relationship. And it would be like if Johnny Depp passed away, what would Tim Burton do? You know, and it's like it was his yeah. news. They both worked really well together. I think the only film so, P.T. Anderson film that he wasn't in was There Will Be Blood. I think you're right. Because he did Boogie Nights. Was he in Heart Eight? He might have been in Heart Eight. I don't know. That was very early film there, but at least from Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love. He had a great, great part in that as the uh, mattress store owner. Oh, he was in Heart Eight. Okay. Not in There Will Be Blood, I don't believe, unless he had a small part. And then he came back and is in The Master. Um, Yeah, you're right. Those two are the most synonymous of all the actor-director relationships I've seen in a while. Mm -hmm. So that's a tricky one. Both uh, at the top. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson's really good. And And then also, he was right in the middle of filming the uh, final two installments of the Hunger Games trilogy, or uh, Quadrilogy, or whatever it's called. There are two films for Mockingjay, and he was supposedly close to finishing his role, and I think they're having to figure out what to do about his part in that, too. Yeah, talk about a guy not only at the top of his game, but also just in some of my favorite films. I'll even credit him Mission Impossible 3, which yeah. I still think is the best Mission Impossible movie they did. J.J. Abrams directed. I'll give, I'll give he was the bad guy, and he was awesome. He was scary. He was a really good bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a shame to see this guy gone now. So really He never is. got to be in a Bond movie. And he no, but he would have been a, a really movie. good Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, He could have done anything. That's the thing about him. Yeah. I don't can't, I can't think of a single type of part that he couldn't have played. Sure. He even did dumb comedy. I remember he was in that uh Along Came Polly with mm-hmm. Ben Stiller years ago and he mm-hmm. kind of played the dumb friend, you know, and he can do slapstick. He could have, he he did funny stuff there too. Just man, it's really a really a shame. I'm, I really got bummed out. And I don't get bummed out much about those kind of celebrity announcements, but that one really really yeah. got me. So so our thoughts and prayers to anybody you know, family and friends of, of Philip Seymour Hoffman, great talent certainly will be missed. And, uh, one less really great actor for us to talk about here on the show, unfortunately going forward. So anyway, uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will talk about the Oscars and let's uh, pour through what's happening with the Oscar nominations this year. Stay tuned. You're listening to foot candle films. I've been writing. I feel like I went under. Dark cloud rolls in, opens up. Anxious to share new work. Would you care for some informal processing? Sure. Are you ready? Yes. Say your name. Freddie Quill. Say it again. Freddie Quill. Say it again. Freddie Quill. Say it again. Freddie Quill. Might as well say it one more time just to make sure you know who you are. Freddie Quill. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. And we're back with Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv. Thanks for checking us out. By the way, before we get back into the show, just a reminder, here on the Mesh.tv network, you can go back and listen to all of our back episodes. If you're curious, if uh, to see if Chris and I, if maybe our voices have changed over the years, who knows? <laughs> We're you sounding, to, you can see how much more knowledgeable we sound now when yes. you go back in this oh, early episode. I think episode one, two, and three, we <laughs> sounded just like idiots when right. it came to film discussion. Now so we're now so we're, much more we're seasoned experts right. now. Um, so you can go back all the way back to episode one if you choose to listen to any shows. You know what? Honestly, and I'm not just saying this to try to get people to go back and download our shows, but there are a lot of great film recommendations this is true. at the end of each episode. So, mm-hmm. you know, even if you download it and just skip to the last 15 minutes, you're going to get some good recommendations of films that we think y'all check out. Yeah. Uh, so we invite you to do that. The mesh.tv is the website. Of course, we're on iTunes, Stitcher radio, anywhere uh, great podcasts are being served. You should find our show. Uh, I also encourage you to check out both Chris and myself on letterboxd. 
That's L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D. So letterboxed with no E at the end, mm-hmm. uh, dot com. And that's where you can see we try to post whenever we see a film. Sometimes we'll give it a star rating. Sometimes we might make a comment or two. But you can kind of follow along to see what films we're watching and checking out. Absolutely. And I think we both keep a list of our ongoing recommendations that we've made on this show as well. Yes. So you can actually go and see that list nicely curated. Obviously, it means you don't have to go back and listen to our episodes. We still want you to go back and listen to the episodes. Taylor, but let's make, you know, a, de- let's yeah. make a deal with you. Mm-hmm. If you're going to look at our recommendations, on Letterboxd, yeah. then give us hopefully a nice rating on iTunes. Oh, that'd be a so great trade-out. Che- if you're going to cheat, out. do that. Okay. How's that? iTunes okay. ratings, star ratings, we desperately love yeah. iTunes star ratings. And a lot of people forget to do that. Right. You download, you subscribe to the show, you don't go back to the iTunes page and subscribe. The show is free, so you can do us a solid... That's the only thing we ask people. Right. You know, we're not asking Thanks. for money. No. We're not asking for anything else. Just star rating on iTunes. Yeah. And if you feel so inclined, write us a comment review on there as well. Either way is great. Okay, so Chris, talking about the Oscars, this is our Super Bowl time of the year right now. This is when uh, nominations come out. We've got until March 2nd for the ceremony. So here it is, early February. We're looking yeah, at these nominations. I think the red carpet starts March 1st, but the actual ceremony yeah, is starts March 2nd. Yeah, probably so. Everybody starts walking the right. carpet really, yes. really early every year. Uh, it's kind of like Christmas decorations. They start earlier and earlier every year, it seems like. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's do this. And I know this could get really long-winded if we go too deep into this. So let's try to be a little more succinct with our thoughts on it. We've okay. got a lot of categories to talk about. Let's Definitely. go through the categories. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, the ones that we think are going to win, mm-hmm. okay? Basically, our prediction, as well as the ones we hope and wish would win, because okay. we think they're probably the most deserving, okay. and see where we kind of match up on things. So, what category do you want to start with? I've got actor in a leading role first. Okay. Can we do that? Sure. Let's save best picture for a little bit later, if you want okay. to. All right, so best actor, we've got these following names. We've got Christian Bale from American Hustle, Bruce Dern in Nebraska, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street, Chiwetel Ejiofor in 12 Years a Slave, and Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club. Mr. Fry, who will win the Best uh, best Acting Oscar? I, I, I think who will win. I think Chiwetel Ejiofor for yeah. 12 Years a Slave. I just think, you know, he, he's an actor that's been around, but I think this is his quote-unquote breakout role. And I think, and it's about, you know, obviously slavery, and I think Academy is rest- bonds to things like that i just i think it's his year yeah with i'm with you on that i do think all the momentum is still heading to that film even though i don't think his is the best performance of this group i do think i agree with you i think it is the one that's probably going to win I, and i would say as far as who i want to win yeah. that would be christian bale Christian Bell, American Hustle. Yeah. Who was your Who was your strongest performance? Uh, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. In the uh, Wolf of course Wall it Street. is. Yes, uh, it of is. course it is. Um, <laughs> I would like to see Leo win the best Oscar for this. I think, despite you and I having our difference of opinions on the Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. um, I think it was an acting tour de force for him. I think he got to show more range than I've seen him play in a while. Uh, and also, I want to kind of see this Oscar be a little bit of a makeup for him, maybe not getting the supporting actor award for uh, Django Unchained. Oh, so it's a little bit of a makeup too. A little bit of a makeup. I think his. I guess I just really dislike Wolf of Wall Street, so I don't want it to win anything. But I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I will admit. Yeah. That he was good in the film. So if I had to go back and say it was his performance probably stronger than Christian Bale's, yes. But as far as who I want to win, I'm yeah. You're letting your you're letting your hate for the film override who ought to win these things. And I'll just throw this in there: Nebraska and Dallas Buyers Club. I don't think either one of those stand a chance because I don't think not enough people have seen them. Yeah, that's true. But you know, you never know. You never know if Bruce Dern pulls out the surprise kind of more lifetime recognition award, which has happened from time to time. Could happen, has happened, and from what I unfortunately have not seen, Dallas Buyers or Nebraska. Mm But I've heard they're both good films, and I've yeah. heard good things about them. So. I'm going to put hard money on Chiwetel Ejiofor that will walk away with the Oscar. I just think everything's pointing to that happening this year. Okay. Now, what about actor in a supporting role? That's what I've got next here. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, Barkad Abdi in Captain Phillips, Bradley Cooper in American Hustle, Michael Fassbender, 12 Years a Slave, Jonah Hill, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club. Who do you think is going to win? Well... Here again, I'm gonna, this is kind of a wild card for me because I mm-hmm. haven't seen Dallas Buyers. Mm-hmm. But from what I've heard, Buzz, I'm going to go ahead and say Jared Leto for uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Mm-hmm. I know there's an aspect of physicality, which, you know, Academy loves those type things. Might would give it to uh, Matthew McConaughey and lead actor because of it, but I don't think so. No. But they, a lot of times, in addition to their actual 
saying lines and everything, if somebody can show a great physical change, they respond to that. I And the other, the other people in the category, I think, aren't as strong, with the exception of who I want to win, which would be um, Barkat Abdi for Captain Phillips. I see, you know, I haven't seen Captain Phillips yet, so I can't comment on that. But uh, I'm with you on Jared Leto, I think, is going to win. Okay. Um, I just think... Again, all the hubbub seems to be focused on it's a, it's one of the sh- it's a showy role, it's the physical ch- transformation role. I think it's going to win it. But Barkat Abdi, you think really ought to win that? I, I I think so. And if the reason behind it that I feel like is because he's a non actor. Mm-hmm. This was his role. He had to go up against Tom Hanks, and he was able to match him. And he his menace and his physical presence just was amazing. Now, could he ever do another film and be as interesting? I don't yeah, know. Right. But Captain Phillips, I thought he really made it. Cool. So, well, I will say, uh, for, for who I would like to see win, mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender, 12 years a slave. I think I commented during a review that I loved his performance of that. It was just terrifying enough, but yet totally within bounds of what I could see being possible in that time period. And in that situation, I really, really liked his performance in that role. Yeah. So, I would be, I'd love to see him win that. Uh, but I do think it's going to be Jared Leto so, okay. as well. Do you want to do performance by an actress? In yeah. The leading and role? why don't you read off the names for sure. the actresses here? We've got Amy Adams in American Hustle, Kate Blanchett in Blue Jasmine, Sandy Bullock in Gravity, Judy Dench for Philomena, Philomena, and Meryl Streep for August Osage County. Mm-hmm. So out of those, Alan, who mm-hmm. do you think will win? I. Until a few weeks ago, I would have said it was going to be Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Okay. I don't think it will be anymore. Okay. Uh, because I think I think uh, recent re- out new allegations or refreshed allegations with Mr. Woody Allen is probably going to sour his chances at getting anything for any of his films this year. Okay. So I'm saying Amy Adams for American Hustle. I think we'll walk away with it. Okay. Um, well, that that Amy Adams is who I want to win, uh-huh. but um, I had filled this out prior to some recent turns and <laughs> events, and I said it was Kate Blanchett, and I actually just this past weekend caught up with Blue Jasmine mm-hmm. and got to see the movie. I still think she might do it. She okay. has a very, very, very strong performance. Yeah. And well, she, to my knowledge, has never gotten an Oscar before, so I think it may be like a body of well, work she, type thing. Did she win for a supporting role in The Aviator? She didn't, oh, did she? I don't well, know. So I know she was nominated for a supporting actress role in The Aviator. And she didn't win for um, Elizabeth, did she? I think she was nominated, but I don't Elizabeth, think she okay. won. Okay. Wow. Somebody, our intern. Yeah. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> Too bad <laughs> our intern. Friday off. <laughs> yeah, our intern can't check on this for us. Well, you know, that's the thing. I pro- there's still a good chance Kate Blanchett will win. I'm just curious whether or not, you know. I mean, granted, I think Academy voters probably see the director different than the acting done in this and don't really try to connect the two. But right right now with all the negative stuff going on with Woody Allen, I just, I I don't see there being a whole lot of love for blue Jasmine this year. Although if it's going to be anything, Kate Blanchett, you know, could still squeak out the the win for that. I, I think Amy Adams is going to win and I want Amy Adams to win. I, I really think she was good in that movie. Um, She was probably my favorite performance of the four kind of main actors in that film. And uh, and I think she's due as well. I thought she was great in The Fighter. I thought she's great. She's great in a lot of things. She's great in The Master. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, this is a little bit more her showy role. And she got to do a lot more with the role, with even going on accents and dress and everything. The way she carried herself was really a fun role to watch. I'm hoping you can refer back to our last episode where we reviewed American Hustle. But I'm hoping the Oscar scene is the accent scene when she it needs has to be. with Bradley it Cooper. Because it really is a show. good scene. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. What about actress in a supporting role? Okay. For that category, we have Sally Hawkins in Blue Jasmine, Jennifer Lawrence in American Hustle, Lupita Nyongo in 12 Years a Slave, Julia Roberts in August Osage County, and June Squibb, which I think is kind of a fun name to say, in Nebraska. I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. Both my prediction of who should win and who will win, uh, Lapita Nyong'o and 12 Years a Slave. Okay. I'm calling it now. I think that's going to happen. I am on the same page with you. I think it's going to win just because I've heard a lot of people say that they think she's a shoe-in mm-hmm. because it's kind of a standout um, first real big breakthrough role, and that seems to get a lot of attention. So I'm going with that. And I actually think, you know, 
I wanted to win because I think she did an awesome job. So I'm yeah, she was her. really good. I remember us even talking about her in our own review of the movie as well. So okay, so that's the main all the acting categories. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and get to some of the other ones. I've got next uh, animated feature film. Okay. So talking about animated feature film, I'm not going to be with much help on this because I haven't seen but one of these. Oh, uh, and I know which one, I think. Yeah. Frozen? Yeah, I saw <laughs> okay. Frozen. Okay. Uh, the Crudes, Despicable Me 2, Ernest and Celeste, Celestine, Frozen, and The Wind Rises. The Wind Rises, Miyazaki, I really wanted to see that film. I have not seen it. Mm-hmm. Despicable Me 2 and The Crudes, I know my kids have seen them, but I have not. Sure. Frozen's the only one I've seen. I'm going to assume that Frozen's going to win. Okay. Because I think it's got the most, you know, it's box office. It's right. got all, you know, people talking about it. It's got legs at the uh, in the theater. I think it's going to win. I unfortunately I can't tell you whether it deserves to win because I haven't seen the others. I I actually caught up with the Crudes and Despicable Me too recently. Hmm. Of and I've seen Frozen. So of the three that I've seen, I think Frozen does deserve to win over those other two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one I picked to win. And then I guess I wanted it to win, but I would really like to see Ernest and Celestine and the wind rises. Both of them are going to be released in the U S they've been in festivals, but like in late February. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, I won't get a chance to probably see them before the Oscars, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Frozen on that. Alan, do you know, does it seem like, Disney always wins anyway. Is that kind of a shoe in vote? No, not necessarily. I think uh, Shrek won one year, and but yeah, I don't remember I, what it was. Up did against. Wreck-It Ralph beat Monsters University last year? Well, that was a Disney film too. Well, or no, it wasn't Wreck-It Ralph. It was some other film beat Monsters University. I know it was kind of a Pixar really? didn't win or didn't even get nominated. I don't think for best uh, huh. animated picture. Maybe okay. that was this year's. I'm very confused right now. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I just I, mean, I don't think it's a shoe in in an animated feature that you want to just go with Disney because it seems like you know. They well, the Frozen again seems to be them crawling their way back up to the prestigious films that they used to do. It's 80s still and in 90s. theaters too. Yeah, and it's which... really done bonkers box office money. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, what about cinematography? Okay. We've got the Grandmaster. We've got Gravity, Inside Lewin Davis, Nebraska, and Prisoners. The only love for prisoners that showed up in the Oscars, which I was kind of surprised by. I was Because I did like that film. I liked it a lot. I, I liked it okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, who do you think is going to win cinematography out of these? Well, you know, Deacons, Roger Deacons, who does a lot of work with the Coen brothers, he did prisoners. So, but I, this is something that even though you and I are very learned in film, Alan, it's still oh, hard yes. to decide in something like Gravity, which is what I'm choosing. Yeah. I'm choosing is who I think should win and who I want to win. But it's hard for me to say the line between cinematography and effects Specs. with gravity. That's my hang up with gravity. I think gravity is going to win. Okay. I've got that down as well as the one I think will win. Okay. Um, but I'm got the same concern. My thinking is, you know, how much of that is dependent on the effects work done. Mm-hmm. It's a combination between cinematographer and effects team. And, you know, I would love to see prisoners win just because I think Roger Deacon's work on it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think it was haunting. It was just, it really helped set a tone for a really surprising movie that I did not expect to enjoy as much as I did, but I know it won't win. Uh, it's going to be gravity. Well, you know, I think like, you know, the category actually looking at it, it's achievement in cinematography. Mm-hmm. And if you put it that way, Deacons was awesome and he does always does great work. But as far as like achievement, like you've actually achieved something, you're pushing it forward. I want to say, but there again, is it the special effects? Who knows? But that has to go to gravity because yeah. like really moving it forward in something that was amazing. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, from, yeah absolutely. I'm with you on that. But I think if you just take, talk about purely behind the camera cinematography, right. it's, it's a tough one. I'm not going to be disappointed if uh, gravity wins. Obviously, I think it was a very fine uh, uh, technical achievement for sure. But I just thought the cinema, the pure cinematography from prisoners was really, really strong. Okay. Uh, what about costume design? Okay. I'll read those off. Sure. We have American hustle, the grandmaster, the great Gatsby, the invisible woman and 12 years a slave. I'm going to say, uh, it, it's a toss up as far as who's going to win between 12 years a slave and American hustle. Hmm. I'm going to go American hustle. And that's also who I would like to see win because I thought the costumes were, uh, a lot of fun to okay. watch in that film. I have down that I want um, American Hustle to win, but I actually picked Great Gatsby. Yeah, I thought about and that. And just because that film had so much flash and had a lot of different styles of costume, and Gatsby is like one of those figures mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, how are you going to costume Gatsby? So for that reason, I picked that. But I could see American Hustle walking away with it. I just think I, I think American Hustle it just it added to the film where Great Gatsby. I, 
you kind of expected this is the costumes and the period and everything that's going there. To me, in American Hustle, the, the costumes almost added more depth to the film in a way. Okay. It was just, I don't know. I, I really responded well with everything in the costuming in that okay. film. Uh, I've got directing next. You want to go for the big directing one here? Okay. Do you want to do that or do you want to do directing and picture at the last? Aren't those the last? Two oh, yeah. Let's save, that. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's save that for the last. I'm sure. <laughs> build, build up the tension. Okay, right. fine. So holding off on, on directing for a little bit. Okay. What do you have next? Uh, documentary. All right. Let's do documentary. Okay. Um, best documentary feature. We have The Act of Killing, Cutie and the Boxer, Dirty Wars, The Square, and 20 Feet from Stardom. Uh, okay, so the act of killing we've talked about here on this show. Yes. Um, very, very tough documentary, but incredibly made. I really would like to see it win because I think it's going to really champion and reward daring filmmaking. And I think it makes a nice statement about what the power of a documentary can be. Okay. Uh, something tells me it's not going to win, though. Really? I mean, I don't know. I, I hope okay. I'm wrong. But something about the subject matter and just kind of the... The overall just grotesqueness of it all. I, I just don't know if it's going to squeak out the win and get caught up there. I really hope it does because okay. I think it's well-deserving of it. So I'd say if I had to guess, uh, I could see something like 20 feet from stardom squeaking in and getting a win just because it's probably a little bit more of a populist documentary, you know, that could be out there. So I'm going I'm to put my money on that. Although I would love to be wrong and see the act of killing win. Well, I have the act of killing winning. For um, best doc, the one I wanted to win was actually um, the Square. Okay, and I've thanks to Netflix, I've actually seen four out of the five documentaries in this category. Very nice. Only one I haven't seen is Twenty Feet from Stardom. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the documentary category is one of those times when Oscars, the Academy, mm-hmm. doesn't pay attention to box office. Mm-hmm. They don't pay it because not many people see documentaries, and what they really go for is the strength of the message or mm-hmm. what they're trying to communicate. So I don't think they'll do 20 feet from stardom because, you know, it's an interesting story, but it's sure. not as like moving or doesn't have yeah. as big of an emphasis. And I go with the square or I would go with act of killing for that reason. The reason I want the square to win over the act of killing is for when you and I reviewed that, we discussed how there's a little bit of a misdirection going on in the documentary mm-hmm. as far as what the participants think they may be doing. Yes. And because of that reason, the square doesn't have that misdirection is still about an uprising and people rising up against mm-hmm. the government and trying to make a big change. And they, it's them documenting it. It's very powerful. So that's why I said I wanted that. Okay, one. well, good. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I need to see more of the documentaries. I probably have a better uh, better feel for that. But, um, sure. Great. Now, documentary is a short subject. I've seen none of these. so I, I haven't either. Okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll read them off real quick. Uh, we have Cave Digger, Facing Fear, Karama Has No Walls, The Lady in Number Six, Music Saved My Life, and Prison Terminal, The Last Days of Private Jack Hall. Yeah. Now I will say what I did do is I went on to the, uh, the Academy's website and they had just little like trailers, kind of like previews of all the documentaries. And I did watch them and that's what I'm basing my, <laughs> mm-hmm. my, uh, star. I think the lady in number six music saved my life. That's the one I'm, I'm picking to win. And it has to, if I remember correctly, it's has to do with the Holocaust survivor hmm. and how she was a pianist, I think. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going with that one. Well, sounds good to me. I'll put that down as well. So okay. The lady in number six. That's the one we're saying we think is going to win. There you go. Easy enough. Film editing. Okay. For film editing, we have American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, and 12 Years a Slave. You know, I don't really have a, a really strong choice personally mm-hmm. between any of these. I mean, I think the editing... And the ones I saw were fine. Sure. The one I thought that got the most attention was probably 12 Years a Slave, and almost because of its lack of editing. <laughs> you know, do you think they'll give an Academy Award to a film almost for its lack of editing? Because there were some scenes in 12 Years a Slave that really well, made Wall that. Wall Street's not nominated. That would be in the edit. Lack of <laughs> no, editing. No, no, no. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about length of the movie. I'm talking about, <laughs> no, I get I'm talking about the length of a shot. Sure. Um, I got you. Yeah, you know, because there were just some scenes, some shots in 12 Years a Slave, some the of the most powerful scene. ones, sure. the hanging one in particular. That I mean, there's no editing. I just wonder if the Academy sees that as editing. I mean, right. it's like the fact that they chose not to cut away the fa- the fact that they made this scene last so long. Is that worthy of saying it wins an editing Academy Award? I don't know, but for some reason, my gut tells me Twelve Years a Slave could get a win for that. And uh, there again, I don't see a whole lot of difference between any of these five nominees. That I would say editing was so much more impactful and made the story on any of these. Right. So. I'm going to go with 
gravity who who I think will win. And okay. there again, it's kind of blurring the whole lines between mm-hmm. was it cinematography, was it editing, was it effect? But I'm going ahead and giving it to gravity, although who I want to win, I want that to be American Hustle. So. Mm. Yeah, American Hustle. It, it, it kind of they kind of pulled a Scorsese editing job, uh, you know, through a lot of the scenes and a lot of quicker edits and a lot of uh, all that. But it was well done. I mean, it kept the movie moving at a very very good brisk pace. So, right. Yeah, I don't really have a dog in the uh, in the race on any of the film editing ones personally. Okay. Uh, what about foreign language film? We've got five nominees here for foreign language film. Belgium's entry is The Broken Circle Breakdown. Italy's The Great Beauty. Uh, Denmark has The Hunt. Cambodia has the missing picture and Palestine has Omar. You got a choice on this? I'm going to go with the one I've seen. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. I mean, That's a with great strategy. You know. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with the hunt from uh, Denmark. You've seen the hunt. I have. Um, is it good? It is good. It is tough to watch. Now that's the one with uh, Hannibal Lecter in it. Yeah, Mads Mads Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen I mm-hmm. think is his name. Yeah, um, he gives a great performance in it. And I don't. I have not seen him as TV's handle or whatever. So yes. I'm assuming it's good because I think yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. So he gives a great performance, and actually, there's a little girl who plays a pretty pivotal role in it, mm-hmm. and she is amazing. Oh, really? The director got a performance out of her that the only time I've seen anybody getting anywhere close to that was the girl in that movie. Um, oh my gosh, what was the name of that movie? Um, ah, I cannot remember it now. It was from the director who made The Cell. And then oh, after that, Tarsum? Yeah, uh, the Tars- Fall. The Fall. Thank yep. you, thank mm-hmm. you, thank right. you. And the little girl, like Kachinka, something yeah. or other, right. I can't remember. She was amazing in that, but you're like, she was great, but like the director to pull that kind of performance out mm-hmm. of a young kid, this girl could go toe-to-toe with that little girl. Wow. She cool. was pretty good. So. I've been wanting to see The Hunt, and I know it's available online right now, so I need yes. to check it out, but okay. The one I get the I, I hear the most about right now is the Broken Circle Breakdown. Okay, I hear a lot of buzz about that film, a lot of great reviews, a lot of people talking it up. It's got music elements to it. It's mm-hmm. it, it seems like the kind of film that would win Best Picture or Best Foreign Picture. So I'm going to put my money on that one. Okay, All right. fair enough. Uh, next up, I've got makeup and hairstyling. Yes, uh, and there's just three nominees for that. Correct. Yes. Uh, so we've got Dallas Buyers Club. And then two nominations for <laughs> films that are not going to be mentioned, I don't think, anywhere else in the Oscar telecast. No. Jackass presents Bad Grandpa and <laughs> The Lone Ranger. Right. So, Chris, where do we go with makeup and hairstyling? Is it going to be Dallas Buyers Club? Is that kind of a, a done deal? I, I think so. Yeah, I think I that's think. who will win. Although, I think it would be an interesting acceptance, possibly, even though, you know, the guys wouldn't get up there to talk for Jackass presents Bad Grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. Um, yeah. I, think I, I just think, you know, they're going to go with the more prestigious of the three films and you know, all that. So yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be Dallas buyers club for makeup and hairstyling Uh, music. This is original score, not song. Right. We've got the book thief, uh, the score for the book thief by John Williams. We've got the score for gravity by Stephen price, her for William Butler and Owen pallet Philomena with Alexandra Displet, Displet, display. Sure. Sure. (laughs) And saving Mr. Banks with Thomas Newman. Uh, who do you think on an original score? You know, I'm going to go with uh, Saving Mr. Banks, hmm. um, Thomas Newman. Um, it's got the whole, I believe he is Randy Newman's son, I think. Or they're somehow related. Could I could be completely making that up. But um, <laughs> the, the, internal, the internal facts check us. We'll be right. right. But I, I'm going to go with that. Who would I want to win? It's the only thing I really liked about the movie. Uh, that would be the Arcade Fire. Yeah, that'd wow. be her. Yeah. Man, to actually say those words, the only thing I liked about it. It's a the bit movie. of exaggeration, but still. Damn. It's the only thing I wanted mm. to walk away with. Uh, I really would like to see the Her score win as well. Okay. And you know what? I'm going I'm to say I bet it does. Okay. I'm going to say I bet it does. I mean, Trent Reznor won for um, Social the Network. music that he did for that. Yeah, yeah so. sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, okay. And then original song from a film. We've got the song Happy, uh, which is now my boy's new favorite song. Now, Alan, before you continue, mm-hmm. you know the big scandal, right? No. There were five nominees. Now there are only four. Oh, what happened? Um, alone, yet not alone. They uh, got the nomination taken away from them because apparently – there was like some stuff where the guy who was trying to influence voters to vote for him or did some underhanded stuff. So now alone yet not alone gone. Now what movie was that from? 
Um, the cleverly titled movie "Alone Yet Not Alone." Oh, so it's the, the title song <laughs> yeah, from that. Oh, apparently, yeah. and that I've was the one. The film that before. was the one nomination where everybody's like, "Huh? Uh-huh. What was that?" <laughs> so yeah, right. So we've got "Happy" from "Despicable Me Too" by Pharrell Williams. Again, I've heard that song way too many times the last week or so. <laughs> okay. Uh, Let It Go from Frozen by uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. The Moon Song from Her, which is uh, music by Karen O, lyrics by Karen O and Spike Jones, And Ordinary Love from Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom by U2. Uh, your take on original song, Chris. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Disney um, and say Let It Go, Let it go with get... Frozen. And actually, I take it back. I said the only thing. But it was music, common theme. Who do I want to win? I think the Moon Song, actually. So. Yeah, I, I really like the Moon Song. I would love to see it win. I don't think it will. Uh, I think Let It Go is, again, that crowd-pleasing. That's like the bigger hit song. And it's with probably what's going to win Best Animated, animated Film. So right. I think that's all going to come together there. I Agreed. Agree. Yep. So, all right. Well, let's hit production design. Okay. Oh wow, we still got a lot of that. We gotta we gotta hurry this up, man. We gotta go a little faster pace here. This is okay. We apologize, guys. Everybody listening. You guys are waiting for us to get to the big two and we're not there yet. So let's let's kind of scurry through the rest here. Okay. Production design, uh American Hustle, Gravity, The Great Gatsby, Her or Twelve Years a Slave. What do you have down for production design? I have want to win and will win Great Gatsby. Yeah, I think production design is the one I could see. I think Boz Lerman, that's one thing he really excels in is making sure the overall look of the production is really top notch sure. and everything I saw trailer. I did not see that film, but everything looked like that would probably be a good fit. And uh, beyond that. Yeah, I guess I'll say, sure. Why not? Great Gatsby win. Okay. Why not? That'd be fun. Okay. We can do that. Best short. An- hmm? Best animated short film. Yeah. Animated short film. Okay. We have Farrell, get a horse, Mr. Hublot possessions and room on the broom i've seen none of these actually you might have the get a horse came before frozen oh that's the the mickey mouse one yes i actually thought that was really creative and well done so sure let's give that one the win and that's what i said wanted it to win and i think it will win okay good we'll give that get a horse from the uh that's the disney short that played before frozen correct yeah that was the one uh kind of went from 2d to 3d Mm -hmm. and all that yeah yeah all right all right, what about short film, live action film? We've got, oh boy, Aquil No Yi Yo, that, that wasn't me. Uh, we got Eva, oh gosh, what's with all these titles? Eva Q de Tu Pedro, Just Before Losing Everything. Uh, we've got Helium, I can do that one. Yep. Uh, I'm just going to read the American version. Do I Have to Take Care of Everything? And The Vormen Problem. Okay. Again, I've seen none of these. Only because of the Oscar website have I seen little clips. I'm Tell me pick, who to vote for. I'm picking helium is going to be the one that wins. Sounds good. But I want just before losing everything to actually win because it's kind of a clever idea. I will match your votes then. That's it's like a woman down. that's hiding out in a grocery store because she's being stalked by, I think, her ex-husband. It's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting idea. Okay. So there you go. So going to the Oscar website, you can actually see all these short films and some of these. Or little uh, clips of mo- yeah. Good parts of them. Okay. Good deal. Uh, sound editing. You want to read those off for us? Sure. We have All is Lost, Captain Phillips. Gravity, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, and Lone Survivor. Um, Alan, do you have a favorite in that category? Uh, I'm going to go with Gravity. Okay. Just because I think a movie that depends so much on making you feel claustrophobic and the sound has so much to do with that. The sound really worked there. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Gravity, and I think that's also the one that's going to win. Okay. I said it was going to win. I actually soft spot for the sound editing in All is Lost. So that's the one I want huh. to win. I don't think it will. But uh, I said gravity was the one I think will win. Okay. And then with sound mixing, very similar category, similar nominations. True. Uh, Captain Phillips, Gravity, uh, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, Inside Lewin Davis is in sound mixing, and Lone Survivor was also from sound editing. So, Chris, any difference there? Do you think gravity still? I still think gravity will win. And I said Inside Lewin Davis because it didn't get nominated for a lot, so I wanted to win that. I will say, though, a lot of times I think sound editing and sound mixing go to the same film. That's mm-hmm. another reason why I picked Gravity for mm-hmm. both. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of feel like, and there again, I just think Gravity, you know, it has a lot of the technical merits of a good Oscar-winning film this year. And to me, the sound really made a big difference in the way that film was received. So we're going to go with that for that. Okay, visual effects. We're getting close to the end here. Visual effects, we've got Gravity, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, Iron Man 3, 
The Lone Ranger. Ooh, Lone Ranger made it in there twice. Another one. I did not realize that. And Star Trek Into Darkness. So visual effects, Chris, I think I know where you're going to go on this, but oh, yeah. uh, who do you think and want to see win? Yeah, will and want to win Gravity. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, I think I could very easily see Gravity walking away with all of the technical merit type awards, sound, visual effects and all, and maybe even cinematography too. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. What about writing? Okay, adapted screenplay, we have Before Midnight, Captain Phillips, Philomena, 12 Years a Slave, or Wolf of Wall Street. Adapted screenplay, so again, for those of you maybe not familiar with the categories, that's where something already existed, and mm-hmm. it's just being adapted into a more screenplay version for the film. So uh, many of these were already ones that were written. Now, Before Midnight, what's, how is that adapted? Was that like a short story that he wrote? I don't know or if they're a, just saying it's adapted because they've now, this is the third film, and they're adapting ideas. I don't know how they consider that's that weird. to be adapted. Actually. Captain Phillips, I understand that was actually based off of a book biography. of an experience biography. Philomena is based off a book. 12 Years a Slave based off a book. Wolf of Wall Street based off a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my Wolf of Wall Street, but I, but it's it's not best screenplay, and I don't think it should win at all. I will say 12 Years a Slave. I think taking this very, very old text biography and adapting it into a very stylistic, modern story and the framing around it, I thought was very well done. So I'm going to say I think it should win and will win. I said it will win. I think what should win actually – body of work and sentimental towards it is before midnight hmm. okay. that's my one all right uh and again i'm just i'm just i'm still a little confused why that's in the adaptive screenplay i have to research that a little bit more to figure out why sure then we got writing original screenplay and that's of course fresh new idea for a screenplay american hustle blue jasmine dallas buyers club her in nebraska Okay, for that, I have both will win and I want to win. I have for American Hustle. So. I have will win American Hustle, okay. want to win her. Her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the are we big, done with everything two. but the big two, right? <laughs> yes. And we, you should see us, those of you watching or listening at home, you should see our table. It's just mounds of paper and, and charts. And, and <laughs> I've got these hypothetical situations running on a computer laptop over here and just. All this crazy, crazy stuff. But let's get to directing. Okay. And then final. And then final big best picture. Okay. So directing, we have David O. Russell for American Hustle, Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity, Alexander Payne for Nebraska, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave, and Martin Scorsese for The Wolf of Wall Street. Alan, who do you think deserves the Oscar? Deserves it? Yes. Oh, we do deserve first. (laughs) Um, Who I think deserves, I'm torn. Um, I think directing, yes, pure directing wise, I like Scorsese with the Wolf of Wall Street. I knew it. Okay, I he won't win. Okay, I'll go and say that for the record. I I would, I would like to see him win. Okay, but I think it'll be Twelve Years a Slave. I agree with Steve McQueen. I think, I think uh, Steve McQueen will win for Twelve Years a Slave. I want, of course, American Hustle. Yeah, David (laughs) O. Russell. Yeah, which that would be my second choice for best director on that. Okay, Um, and then we got best picture. You want to read those out for us, Chris? Sure. We have American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena, 12 Years a Slave, and rounding it out, bringing up the bottom now, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who do I think will win? Man, you know, I, I think it's going to be 12 Years a Slave. I agree. And I can't say that I'm happy about that i mean i think it was a really good film but i I still don't see it as best picture but i think that's where all the energy is going right now these days to it agreed as far as who i would like to see best picture i mean her i would really like to see best picture i would be perfectly happy if american hustle won best picture because i think overall it had the best complete package of things coming together okay uh, I will not, I will say Wolf of Wall Street is not a best picture winner. I, okay. To me, actor and director are two things I think it could walk away with or would be possible seeing it walk away with sure. uh, on merits. But I don't think it, it's a complete total best picture winner. Okay. So to me, I'd be very happy if it was her or American Hustle. Um, I think it's going to be 12 Years a Slave, though. Okay. Hey, I agree. I think 12 Years a Slave. But, of course, my love went want to win would be American Hustle. Yeah. So. It's going to be an interesting Academy Award. That's all the categories we've got. I mean, it's uh, there's a certain bank of films. These five or six, I think, are going to kind of divide up all the awards across those those five or so. I think Twelve Years a Slave, I think American Hustle, mm-hmm. um, and I think Gravity. Yeah, that's to me the three that are just going to split up the awards. I will say that usually, like I think last year when we did our countdown, we kept mentioning people we thought were left off or something like that. Really. 
not having seen Inside Lewin Davis yet, but I yeah. feel like that's the only one that maybe should have gotten a little bit more love somehow from Oscar. We will be reviewing so. Inside Lewin Davis, it looks like, in our next episode. Correct. So we'll see if maybe in hindsight, maybe if we feel like it should have been on this list anywhere or not. It, it does kind of suck in a way. I mean, it's best picture. There's nine nominations. It's like nine. Right. Can't you just squeeze in one more and make it ten? You know, why does that have to be nine? And, right. uh because they, they will allow up to 10. Yeah. They've had 10 before. I know. But yeah. It's just a little a little irritating there. But anyway, right. we will be reviewing uh, Inside Lewin Davis uh, probably in our next episode. And we'll kind of look retrospectively back and say, should it have been in this field of contention for anything? Uh, because it really didn't get nominated for hardly anything at all. No. Uh, very couple small awards and that's it. True. So that is our Oscar talk and preview. And just kind of running through all of that. We kept score of how we did, uh, who we're picking. So, of course, after the award ceremony, we'll have to see who came out better okay and between the two of us mm-hmm. i say whoever comes out whoever's the loser whoever yes. gets the fewest choices right how would you say they have to pick the other person gets to see what the lowest rated rotten tomatoes score for a movie currently playing in the multiplex that person has to go <laughs> see it and give a one minute review on our next foot camera show uh, I'm, I'm game <laughs> so okay. whoever loses by not winning the most number of right votes on this based on the ones we picked mm-hmm and we're going on the ones that we say we think are going to win. Right. Not who Not we want to win. win. Right. But based on who we think is going to win. I've got Correct. my starred items all the way down my list. Okay. That's the one. Whoever comes up with the least number of those right has to go see the lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes film that's currently in theaters, theaters and give a review. Movies that... They're so bad they might not be around then, but movies that could be something like I Frankenstein or oh, The Nut Job no. or That Awkward Moment. Oh, Either no. one. What did, <laughs> what did I just sign myself up for? <laughs> so, okay. Well, that'll be fun. That gives us a little incentive to cheer a little harder on Oscar night for That's some right. of these as well. <laughs> Uh, all right, Chris, let's wrap up the show with our recommendation. We always do this at the end of our show. Just a good film to check out, uh, one that's either available online or you can get your hands on pretty easily that you may have missed when it came out in the multiplex or maybe it's just uh, several years have gone by and we just want to bring it back to, uh, up to people's attention. So what do you have for us for your recommendation today, Chris? I'm going to recommend Short Term 12. And you can get this on iTunes or it's actually out on DVD. Um, it stars Brie Larson, who was actually in The Spectacular Now, which, and she was also in Don John that came out this year. Hmm. But in this movie, she has a lead role, and she was really good in it. It's about some um, staff that are working at a residential treatment facility for right. people with problems, mental sure. problems, young people. And it's really good. Um, the cinematography was amazing. Really? And the cast, and actually the guy who plays, you know, she's the lead actress. The lead actor, John Gallagher, I don't think I'd ever seen him before, and he was actually really strong as well. So, um, And actually, I was kind of surprised. There was a lot of critical love um, for this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe it would squeak in as kind of like this year's Beast of the Southern Wild. Yeah, kind of like the little outsider kind of right. creeping into the field. Yeah. And, it, and it didn't. So yeah, it didn't I'm, get any any recognition so at all. the push that I'm going to give it, the recognition that I'm going to give it, is it's going to be my uh, recommendation. So that, that'll, that'll help things, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'll <laughs> see the box office will skyrocket shortly after this podcast is released, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, no, I've, I've actually heard really good things about the film. Uh, it did make some critics' top ten lists of, their, of the year. So it definitely sounds like one to check out. And it is available online to watch now. It is on iTunes and other Amazon and all those other services as well. Uh, I'm going to mention as a recommendation a film that we just screened as a documentary at Foot Candor Film Society. Uh, just in the last few weeks that I kind of went into not really expecting to really enjoy as much as I did, but I really did enjoy standing in the shadows of Motown. Okay. Um, It's a 2002 documentary. It's available online, Amazon, iTunes, all the places where you can buy or rent films. And, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for music documentaries anyway. That always grabs me. It's very hard to make a music documentary that I don't enjoy watching. (laughs) But is that a challenge? It is. <laughs> okay. Please, somebody send me a music-based documentary that you think I'm going to hate, and let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, but this one, director Paul Jessman explores the Funk Brothers, which I knew nothing about. Which is part of a reason I like a good documentary is when I feel like I've learned something about a type of music that I'm 
terribly in love with. I mean, I love original Motown music. Gotcha. Uh, my family knows I end up playing it a lot around the house. So to actually hear the story of these performers that were the studio musicians mm-hmm. for many of the big Motown hits that you would recognize. They called themselves the Funk Brothers. They were in, the, you know, they worked with Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, the Four Tops and Temptations. Uh, all of these you know, guys would come into the studio and record their hit songs. And these were the guys that made the music you hear which I think the music is what makes the Motown sound really pop a lot more than other music done at that time. Sure. The documentary wasn't perfect. There were a lot of places I felt like they really missed the mark and they could have explored more or been a little more insightful with it. So I'm not going to say it's a perfect documentary, but the way they interspersed a live concert that they were holding with the Funk Brothers reunited after all these years, having more contemporary artists sing the songs, interspersing those songs with the rest of the documentary. There's a lot of humor. There was a lot of really funny moments. There were some great anecdotes about some of the famous Motown performers. I really enjoyed it. I think if you enjoy music documentaries, and especially if you're a fan of Motown, you'd really enjoy this film. Gotcha. It's not perfect. But I think it's worth recommending here on the show. Okay, cool. So that is our show for today. Uh, The film Her, which uh, Chris and I are very split on. I say go out and see. Chris says uh, if you need a nap, it's a good thing to go check out and uh, pay $9 to go have two hours of time to sleep. Uh, (laughs) Don't agree with you on that, but, you know, that's okay. We'll we'll deal with our differences later. (laughs) We also talked about the uh, Oscar nominations and our picks of who we think is going to win this year's Oscars. And then our recommendations, which we had Standing in the Shadows of Motown and Short Term 12, two very different films, but both ones you uh, we think could have a, a good audience out there to check out. And of course, again, the passing of Philip Seymour Hoffman, kind of more of a somber note to, uh, to slide into the show there. But I mean, we just we did want to talk about it just because so many of the films we've talked about in the last several years of Candle Films had him in it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not often we lose a true contemporary actor that is still at the peak of his game right now. So anyway, very sad about those news. That's it for foot candle films today. Uh, tune in next time when we give another review or two, talk about some movie news. Also give another recommendation of films you ought to check out. But again, if you're interested in going back in time and listening to some older shows, you can do that at themesh.tv. And while there, check out other shows on the Mesh Network, ranging from music to uh, business discussion to family lifestyle discussions, sports shows, the whole gamut we try to have on the network there. If you're interested in what Chris and I do with a film society here in Western North Carolina, you can visit footcandle.org. That'll get you the website about our film society, where we bring some of the films we talk about here in our podcast to the Catawba County, Hickory, Western North Carolina area on a monthly basis. Have a really strong membership, a lot of great interest, a lot of great films we bring to the area. So if you're interested in what we're doing as a film society, visit footcandle.org. And that will wrap it up for today. Chris, take care, man. All right. See you in the ticket line. All right. Take care, everyone. Special thanks to Carpal Taller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Taller, visit www.carpaltaller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.